What a great way to wake up. With a cup of logic, reason, and common sense. Welcome to the Independence Morning View. Let's get to it. Good morning to you wherever you are in the world. I'm Johnny Anderson. I'm joined this morning by Bruce Adams. Good morning, Bruce. How are you this morning? Good morning. Um, yeah, doing well. Healthy alive. COVID's still in the air, um, apparently. That's why you need to wear a mask, Bruce. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, is your front yeah. yard still being tended to? Um, no, front yard's good. The, it's a big, you know, dirt spot now where they dug it up, uh, waiting to be sodded. But yeah, water's back on. Everything's good. You mean to tell me that tax dollars are going to pay for you to have a new front lawn? Yeah. I mean, it's tax dollars that paid for the water. Well, sort of tax dollars. I mean, technically you're paying for it, the utility, but it's government subsidized. So yeah. Um, yeah. Tax dollars are going to pay for uh, fixing my lawn that they damaged. Yes. I'm curious. Did did you have the um, the nine guys standing around supervising and then the one guy working? Oh, actually, when they first showed up, there was like four or five guys. They all showed up and were just kind of standing around looking at it. And come to find out, obviously, they can't dig right away because uh, you Mm -hmm. have to find out if there's any other pipes or wiring or anything run through there. So they had to wait for another guy to come out and mark the flag, everything. And he wasn't going to be able to show up for another hour and a half. So for an hour and a half longer than when it was noticed, water was gushing out of our front lawn. So, well, I'm glad to hear that they got it fixed and I'm glad to hear you have what you do have water. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, we do. Thankfully. I mean, you know, typical air bubbles and whatnot in the lines, but yeah. As long as you have your tea this morning, I think you're good. Yeah. I did have my tea this morning. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. A hurricane. We talked the other day about this. Hurricane's about to hit Florida. Yes. Yeah. I believe tomorrow, which would be today as of the airing, I believe is Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's supposed to hit sometime Sunday. So. And how big is it? Like, what's the category? Good question. Let's see here. It is classified as a hurricane. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce the name of this hurricane for whatever reason. I'm not quite sure why they picked that one, but it says here that authorities in North Carolina, is it tracked to work its way up the East Coast then? The charts I've seen is that it's going to kind of do that. Yeah, it's going to hit Florida and round off on the eastern side of Florida and go up that direction. Yeah. Okay. It's a category one at this point. Oh, so it's just a baby then. So it's it's not we're, we're not talking like, you know, Hurricane Andrew level kind of stuff. Yeah, but it, it also depends on how much rain it's going to bring in and flooding and, you know, all that kind of stuff as well. Right. Uh, Storm surges and all that stuff. That can be just as damaging. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right now, they're looking to drop anywhere from four to eight inches of rain on the Bahamas. Uh, and it looks like, let me see, North Carolina's ordering some evacuations, it looks like, of some islands. Was slammed last year by hurricanes, uh, like by last year's Hurricane Dorian. Dorian was a Category 5, though, wasn't it? Uh, that's a good question. Isn't that the one where we had the government telling everybody to leave their houses and you saw like this mass exodus up uh, up the interstate to mm. get out of Florida? Is yeah, that, that's that, right. Wasn't that, yeah. Wasn't that Dorian? Yeah. Yeah, it was Dorian. Yeah. Category five. Yeah. The one that came out of Cuba. Yeah. They they hyped up the fear. Oh, man, the media had a heyday with that one, didn't they? Yeah. 
Well, man, that's how they make money. I heard this once. I can't remember if I heard this in a movie or if I actually heard someone say it in in real life. And that is, there's no news like bad news. Like the fear sells, right? The fear sells. So I hate to say it, but that's just the way that it is uh, in a lot of cases, and especially the stuff with around these natural disasters. Which I'm waiting for one of these people to say that this is all man-made because of what we haven't been shut down long enough. So now we have hurricanes. I'm waiting for that one. I'm waiting for that one. Where is that talk? Well, I mean, when you when you get the facts and statistics on that one, um, yeah, the the shutdown that we've had, yeah, it does show that the climate can recover, and you know, very quickly, in fact. But to have the the levels that we were we were supposed to have with the French, whatever that uh, deal was, the the Paris Agreement. There we Paris go. Paris Accords. Yep. If we were. Yeah, if we were to have that level of change, we would have to have it shut down for 10 months out of the year until um, whenever it was that they said it was going to be a problem, 2030, 2050, whatever it is. So we would have to shut down essentially permanently, uh, and that would solve the climate change. Well, I mean, I'd be OK with guys like Fauci and guys like Andrew Cuomo. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, they would thoroughly love that. I mean, but they wouldn't at the same time because everybody would have to be shut down. You wouldn't allow, like, could you imagine? Okay. Well, no, scenario. government's essential. Government's essential. See, they would have to still, they would have to operate. Right, right. And I can't see the people being upset by that at all and riots and the government telling you, you have to shut down. You can't have any more electricity, air conditioning. You can't go out and travel. You can't, you know, can't even go out to a restaurant and have food. You have to be vegan now, you know, because your carbon footprint, you have to drive an electric car if you do drive at all. I, I, I can't see there being a problem. And, and then the people revolting after that at all. If it saves just one life, though, I mean, isn't it isn't it worth it? Sorry, I had to. Legitimately debating on do I do I join in on being facetious <laughs> or do I? That, that's a no, tough one. <laughs> that's all right. The NHL, they're not going along with the program, are they? No, and actually, I'm I'm glad that they're not. It's it's refreshing. Mm-hmm. I may actually go and watch some hockey. I might uh, actually buy I mean, NHL I already center ice. A little bit. Yeah, I might buy right? NHL center ice. You know, I might buy a year. See how it goes. I don't like hockey, right? I've never been one of those uh, those hockey fans. And from the people that tell me, or the, from the people that I talk to up in the Northeast, up in New England, hockey's everything to them, right? Hockey's everything. Same thing with Canadians. Hockey's everything to them. But a lot of people tell me that it's not the same game. Well, maybe it's good because I didn't know what the game was like before. So maybe it's good that I don't know uh, if I do start watching it. But I honestly, I don't see myself watching it. But not one player kneels at NHL games. Two teams show unity supporting equality during during the anthem in a different way. So they're bucking the trends. Uh, the Penguins, right? Pittsburgh Penguins uh, and the Philadelphia mm-hmm. Flyers, two of the fiercest rivals in sports, united in solidarity this afternoon to stand up against social injustice, racism and hate. In a post from the Pittsburgh Penguins, the team stood as one across each club's respective blue lines prior to today's game. And not one kneeled. Uh, it's a, it's a good. It's that is a compromise. That is a, uh, a decent compromise. We mm-hmm. don't kneel in America. That that's not something we do. Western culture, same thing. You don't kneel. That's no. We we, we got rid of that for a reason. But I, God, I, I'm I'm torn at the same time because they still they still went along with the mob. They still went along with it. So I'm glad they didn't kneel. But at the same time. Really? Do we have to do this? Do we have to stand in solidarity against social injustice? I'm sorry. There is no social justice. It's never happening. Sorry. Even even if we do have a social credit scoring system, it's it's not going to happen. Well, that would imply 
people working together and talking and coming up with viable solutions for things. If you want social justice, if you want justice of any kind, forget social justice. If you want justice of any kind, people have to talk, right? You have to have civil discourse. Yeah. But no, people yeah, are not having exactly. that. People are not having that. People are being divided. They're at each other's throats. They're being divided over petty issues, right? And we're going to talk about some of that later on today. I think we're even going to get into some social credit stuff today too, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. We got a few things on the radar for that. But anyway, yes. Well, not one player kneeled. And you know what? Good. I'm actually, I'm glad to see that. The Dallas Stars posted something uh, on Twitter. They said, bigger than hockey, we stand together for equality. Okay. All right. That is what you said, right? It's... um. It's compromise. It's compromise. So let's yeah. uh, let's not be showing any more disrespect, right? You you go out there and you take a knee. That's disrespect. That's what that is. That's shaming mm-hmm. the system. That's shaming what's given you what you have. So let's not do that. And the ones that are out there doing it, go to hell. Okay, that that's my stance. Sorry, that, that's my stance on it. <laughs> right. No, seriously. Yeah, yeah seriously. Go, go no, to hell. I'm I'm with you. Yeah. So the two NASA astronauts we sent up, they're coming back this weekend, supposedly. Yeah. If the hurricane doesn't yeah, that's stop. that's what it. it looks like. Right. If the, if the weather isn't a problem. Yeah, exactly. The hurricane, uh, it's set to hit on, uh, you know, as, as we were saying on, on Sunday. So, but it also depends on where they're landing because, you know, planets, what, 70% water. We have large oceans for them to land in. So if they're going to, whether they're going to land in the Pacific or the Atlantic, you know, um, I don't know. It says here that they've got one of seven landing sites that are, excuse me, uh, they will splash down at one of the seven landing sites available in the Gulf of Mexico or the Atlantic Ocean at about 2.48 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. So, yeah, they're going to be they're going to be coming back. And you know what? Didn't you say that there was another launch of some kind that SpaceX did of something that I'd never heard of? What did they do? Yeah, it was uh, I, I pulled up their YouTube page because, you know, I was just looking to see. If they were doing any kind of footage or anything of, of the capsule coming back, you know, if they had any kind of notification there or anything. And seeing that they had just launched last week, another rocket, it looked like it was carrying maybe a satellite or something, some kind of payload from uh, South Korea. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I don't have it up again. I don't have it up to get the name, but it's like an SS2 or something like that. Yeah, uh, I remember that. But, yeah. But what the details of it is let's see i didn't even realize that we had a deal with the south koreans when it came to any type of you know space stuff i I didn't realize that i didn't realize the south koreans even had a space program to that effect i mean i know each country has kind of like their own little thing but i didn't realize they had a whole a whole thing and we had some kind of a deal with them i I didn't know that and i also found out today that nasa awarded eight billion dollars to spacex and boeing Back in 2014, between the two of them, mind you, to develop dueling space capsules, experimenting with a contract model that allows the space agency to buy astronaut seats from two companies. I didn't know that. So, I mean, I thought this was all done. I mean, I understand Boeing's a government contractor, but uh, SpaceX is not. But I so essentially we've oh well, SpaceX, we, we've subsidized it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this uh, absolutely. I say absolutely. Yes. Uh, look at Tesla. Tesla is heavily subsidized as well. Musk understands the um, the way the system works, uh, way our system currently works, and the government offered uh, benefits for things like you know the, the the electric cars, and they offered money for space travel. So I mean, this benefits this benefits our military and our our um, government oh, sure. as well. Sure. 
So yeah. it, it is an element of national security. So in this sense, I'm, I'm OK with the government doing that. Um, and also pointing out the um, Anasis-2 launch, that was actually a Korean, uh, South Korean military satellite. That was their first. So, I mean, it, it's kind of a big deal for them. This is the first military communication satellite that's specifically dedicated to that that they've launched. So, hmm. uh, you know, it's kind of a kind of a big deal for them. Yeah. And I guess that would explain why I didn't really know that South Korea had a space thing, because, I mean, if it's their first one, obviously, you're not going to know about it, are you? No, I do agree with you on the uh, the subsidizing of things, because, yes, I know he does that with Tesla. I mean, he fills out the forms. I mean, I've talked about what that guy's done before. This guy works in some cases 16 to 20 hours a day. And that's no joke because he was explaining this one time in an interview that he did. And he says the amount of paperwork to go through to do this type of work and get the grants that are out there for I mean, the money's earmarked. So it's not like he's he's going in and saying, arguing to the government, uh, well, you need to give us this money. No, that's not what he's doing. The money's already earmarked. It's there. He's just taking advantage of what's already there. So I, I can't. Yeah, I, I'm your stance on it. I can't argue with that. But he's going through filling out all these papers to get access to that earmarked money to build the products that, quite frankly, are are amazing. I mean, the Tesla cars are, are something. I never thought I'd say that about an electric car, but they're quite something. I mean, I've been in one of the Tesla stores. I went, I went to one in Berlin. And of course, they had the, the one model in there. I can't remember which one it was, but uh, it was it was really neat uh, to, to just look at and see up close. And of course, now I'm seeing Teslas all over the road. Now, I don't know if you've seen any around your parts, but uh, here they're starting to pop up and charging stations as well. The bigger cities. Yeah, we see them. Maybe one. I've, I've seen maybe one in my local area. But uh, yeah, when when I go through the larger cities around here, they have they have more. You'll, you'll see them occasionally. I still want a Cybertruck. That's the only car I want. I just want the Cybertruck. I, I would take one as well. They they look unique enough, you know, to, to catch the eye. But I like the functionality of it. Like, I, I like the increased durability of it. Did you ever see the uh, the video that's on YouTube from CNBC of Elon Musk? He was in the passenger seat and Jay Leno was driving. Did you ever see that video? I don't think I have. No, it's it's only a few minutes long. It's hilarious. Jay Leno's out test driving one of those things because obviously they're not production yet. So he's he's got a couple of working models and there, there are other things they have to do. They have to change like the width of it or something has to be knocked down, because if not, you're not going to be able to get it in standard garage doors and, and things of that nature. So they have to change a couple of things. But Leno was out driving this and, you know, Musk is in the passenger seat. He says, um, so what's with the what's with all the weight? You, you, wh- why does this thing weigh so much? And Musk says, well, it's bulletproof. <laughs> and Leno says, do, do I? Wh- why is it bulletproof? <laughs> Musk says, well, it's badass, right? <laughs> so, so, is, <laughs> and he says, well, you know, not, I, I wouldn't think so. But now that you've mentioned it, yes, now I want it to be bulletproof. So it's like, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it, it's a and the thing is, though, with the, the craziness things are going, the, the direction it's headed. Yeah, we're, 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 we're doing a podcast. We're, we're talking about ideas that get other people canceled. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm OK with, uh, you know, the idea of a bulletproof vehicle. Just uh, yeah, you know. I would I would probably take a, uh, a bulletproof one. And, you know, people look at me and say, oh, you're just paranoid or am I cautious? Which one is it? They, they really are out to get you. Yes. Uh, yeah. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually both uh, to a degree. Well, and you'll find out why later, later uh, in, the, in the upcoming podcast with the social credit stuff. For good reason, we're concerned about this. 
it's personal privacy, right? That's what it that's what it comes down to. Uh, and it's really it's really hard to uh, to keep track of that. But anyway, we're kind of talking about space and we're drifting, but it was kind of an interesting way to go. Chernobyl, right? Everybody remembers Chernobyl, the place that had the uh, the nuclear meltdown in the old Soviet Union in the uh, in uh, Pripyat, Ukraine. Bruce, let me ask you a question. And this is a legit question. I've never asked you this before, and I'm about to ask you now. It's a hot spot. Would you travel to the Ukraine to go there as a tourist to visit Chernobyl because it's a tourist attraction now. That's a tough one. Barring the 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 nonsense we've seen coming out of Ukraine, right? Taking all the polit- politics out of it that includes coronavirus and all the nonsense that's involved there. I think I could. I, I think I would enjoy it's a, it's kind of a scientific historic thing. So yeah, I, I think I, I would go there and see what it's see what it is, what it's all about. And you're not worried about radiation or anything like that. No, because the amounts of radiation that's there is the equivalent of I mean, I mean, obviously, there's still pockets of radiation that that is dangerous to you, mm-hmm. but it's the equivalent of you receiving, uh, I believe, in staying there an hour. This is the last number I've heard within the last couple of years. If you're in that area for an hour, it's about a month's worth of background radiation. Well, apparently there is a fungus that's growing there that could protect astronauts from radiation on deep space missions. I'm assuming they're looking at this for the uh, the Mars flight. Yeah, I, I think it is both for Mars flight. I mean, that is actually a concern with the Mars flight, but it's also any other deep space flight that we may do. Like, for example, um, if we go to, uh, I think it's Titan uh, for Jupiter, one of the moons, uh, they've, they've talked about colonizing it. One of the problems with that is Jupiter, Jupiter itself actually emits radiation. So that's a plausible way of you know, having um, farms of that or something above your living quarters or, or where the, the habitat is, you could grow that fungus and it would absorb the radiation in being emitted from Jupiter. Um, so there's a lot of possibilities there, depending on how much radiation it absorbs and how quickly um, that we could use that for for some form of shielding. And not only shielding, but maybe maybe it's uh, it's creating some kind of chemical reaction. Maybe we can uh, we can do the same. You know, figure out how to synthesize that and make it more efficient and use that as a um, kind of like a um, uh, I forget what the name of it is, but it's basically where they use radioactive decay. Uh, for a passive power generation, um, I forget I, I forget what they call that. But anyway, yeah, we could maybe uh, do something there and and use that as shielding and a, a means to generate power, similar to like a solar panel, because that's more or less what these these mushrooms are doing, or this fungus, excuse me, this fungus is doing is it's taking radiation instead of using sunlight for photosynthesis, it's doing um, radiosynthesis. So it's using the gamma rays to generate its its energy and, and the same same method as or, or similar method as as uh, photosynthesis so it, it's it's quite interesting and and the findings that they have so far is pretty interesting so you know maybe there is something to there to it would you ever have guessed that something like this would have been created it's one of those accidents of nature isn't it Yes and no. So science fiction has played with this idea. I, I, I know of different fictional universes that have some type of flora or fauna or something that consumes radiation as their you know energy source or food source. So the, the concept has kind of been there, but the, the fact that we've actually found something that's been more or less science fiction is quite interesting. And whether or not this fungus is 
you know, just all of a sudden evolved and has changed, you know, and, and is doing this, or this is a fungus that's been around for a long time, you know, it's still possible that this fungus existed for a long time. You know, we find radiation in, in nature, you know, uranium and, and um, uh, some other isotopes thereof uh, exist in nature, along with the sun emits levels of uh, gamma radiation as well. Well, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't really think that I would be one of those people that would travel to the Ukraine to go to uh, uh, Chernobyl. But if this can somehow offer some type of protection to people that do end up taking long, deep space travel, then I think that you could almost call that a successful failure, couldn't you? Right. I mean, it's 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 kind of a weird way of looking at it, but the um, the accident of Chernobyl. I mean, obviously, that was a failure, especially mm -hmm. of how it was handled and all that stuff. Uh, it was a failure. However, we're looking at a success on the other end of it, aren't we? It's created something yeah. that could offer us something that would protect our people down down the line. So we've learned something from it. We've actually gained something new from that. If it's if it ends up being plausible, of course. Yeah. I mean, that's human nature, right? Learn from your failures. So that, that's just kind of a extreme case of it, you know, but uh, yeah, I, I would certainly hope we learned something from it. And I know we have as far as um, nuclear reactors and whatnot. Um, I'm, largely, I don't think we do the high pressure ones like Chernobyl was, which is why it was so explosive. They used high pressure steam that caused the caused the explosion when it melt down. It wasn't actually like a nuclear reaction or something. That right. And we actually explosion. we have safety procedures and new new age stuff yeah. and yeah. All, all this stuff now. So, yeah, I, I mean, hey, finding a, a natural means to do this that I mean, it, it's promising. Yeah. And I, I, I look forward to seeing more research on this. Indeed. We are going to have to jump out of here this morning. So thank you for sitting down this morning, Bruce. Thank you to all the listeners for always stopping some more. Please check us out later on this afternoon. And I hope everyone has a great morning.